Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. Now, I want to get into the teaching of God's word today. And, you know, as I've been teaching about heaven, God just kind of has got my attention here on heaven. And one of the things we talked about heaven, I talked about seven the seven most beautiful truths about heaven. But I'm going to share with you seven other things today. So I don't want you to be confused with those seven most beautiful truths about heaven, because one of those beautiful truths is what I want to drill down on. And it was the fourth one that we talked about last time uh, where believers will not be judged, but they will be rewarded. Believers will not be judged, but they will be rewarded. And as I was thinking about this and and meditating on this this week, I I just began to look through the scriptures and I found seven judgments in the Bible. And I want to talk to you about those seven judgments so that you you're informed about what the Bible says about the word judgment and the topic of judgment. And I want you to be set free from the truth that you're going to hear about these seven judgments. So there's seven judgments that I've studied in scripture. And I want you to know which ones apply to you and which ones don't and how to respond to that. You're you're going to be glad you heard this because this is going to be truth that sets you free. It's not going to put you in fear. It's going to alleviate your fear. It's going to deliver you from fear. It's going to deliver you from uh, from bad information and from preaching that is used to manipulate and control people that I believe happens in the world today, obviously. And I don't want you to be controlled or manipulated through fear or through wrong teaching. So important that we are surrounding ourselves with healthy teaching. And that's why it's so important to be planted and plugged into a healthy church family. So let's talk about these seven judgments. Are you ready? Judgment number one is the judgment of the believer, the judgment of the believer. Now, this is found in Romans, Chapter 14, verse 10. It's also in Second Corinthians, Chapter five. But the judgment of the believer is in Romans chapter 14, verse 10, it says, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the judgment seat of Christ, the word judgment there is only used twice in the Bible. It's the word Bema, B-E-M-A, as I remind you from last time we were together on this topic. It's the Bema seat of Christ. The word Bema has nothing to do with judging over sin or evil or condemnation or the wrongs that have been done. But it has everything to do with it was used as a terminology in the Greek Olympics. And what they used it for was the judges of the Olympics used this word judgment as for the rewards. Those that won the Olympic races, the rewards that they would get for winning. It had nothing to do with punishing for wrongdoing. It had everything to do with rewarding the ones who won in the Olympic Games, whatever sport that they were involved in. In the same way, we're more than conquerors through Christ. So you're a winner already in Christ. And what we do after salvation is we learn to be faithful with what we have. And we talked a little bit more about that last week. So refer back to that for the judgment of the believer. But I want you to understand that the judgment of the believer has nothing to do with whether you're saved or not or whether you lose your salvation right before you die or whether you obtain it right before you die. I want you to see in John chapter five, verse twenty four, because it clears this up regarding salvation and regarding judgment. It says, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, 
but has passed out of death into life. So now this is talking about the judgment of sin. No one who is born again, no one who has accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord will come into the judgment over sin. But we have passed out of death into life. So the judgment of the believer is not the judgment of sin. The judgment of the believer is the rewarding of the believer after your life is complete and you go to heaven and you get either rewards for what you've done with what God gave you for investing into the things that matter, sowing into the things that matter. The things that matter most to God are souls, people, getting people saved, encouraging people, loving people, being kind to people, representing Jesus and his spirit and his love to people on this earth. But we will never have to go through the judgment over our sin if we're born again, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and Lord. Remember the verse in Hebrews, chapter nine, verse twenty eight in Hebrews, chapter nine, verse twenty eight. He says this very clearly. So Christ also having been offered once can't be offered twice. He offered once to bear the sins of many. He doesn't have to do it again. You don't have to do it again. You don't have to be born again again. You don't have to keep repenting again. He said, Jesus Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly who eagerly await him. That's you and me. We're waiting for his return. And when he comes back a second time with regarding you and me as believers, it will be without reference to sin. Why? Because he already dealt with sin in his first coming. He's not going to deal with our sin in the second coming. He's going to give us he's going to take us with him and rule and reign for a thousand years. So we'll get to the next judgment. The second judgment that I want you to see in Scripture is the judgment of the lost. So these are people who have rejected Jesus up until their death. They have rejected Jesus. Now, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But if you don't accept him in this life, you'll still bow, you'll still confess him, but it won't be unto salvation. It will be simply an acknowledgement that everything he said and did is actually true, even though you didn't receive it. So I encourage everybody to receive this precious savior, receive his substitutionary sacrifice for your sin, his substitutionary sacrifice for Adam's sin. He paid for it on the cross. He said it is finished so that you could be saved. But there will be the judgment seat of what the Bible calls the great white throne judgment. So if you look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, we see the judgment of the lost who have rejected Jesus in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne in him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, he goes on to say, the great and the small. He says, I saw the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and Hades gave up the death, gave up the dead which were in them and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name 
was not found written in the book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, I want you to know that I believe from what the scriptures show me that every person's name is written in the Lamb's book of life, in the book of life by the Lamb of God. But we get our names blotted out if we reject Jesus. Our names remain if we accept Jesus. It wasn't God's will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But there will be the judgment of the lost, the judgment of the person who dies without Jesus. That judgment is the great white throne judgment. You and I as believers will not participate in that judgment. We will not be judged in that judgment. We will be witnesses of that judgment, but we will not be judged in that judgment. I know these are kind of um, tough topics to talk about, but everything we do in this life should be focused on introducing people to the real Jesus, because there is a heaven and there is a hell. And these two judgments, the judgment of the believer must but must be clearly made. The distinction must be made between these two very clearly that they are not the same. The judgment of the believer is a reward moment, a reward event. The judgment of the unbeliever, the judgment of the great white throne of judgment is for those who have rejected Jesus. The throne of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, that's where Jesus gives the rewards because we built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. We built gold, silver and precious stones that endure the fire rather than wood, hay and stubble, as we talked about last time on this topic. It's really important that we get a hold of that, that what we do in this life matters after salvation, because it matters with bringing others to Jesus. And it matters because they're going to be rewards for us focusing on the things that matter, focusing on the things that matter to God and souls matter more than anything. So these two judgments are the two most important judgments that we can talk about. But the other five are vitally important as well. So the third judgment is the judgment of the devil as the dark ruler of the world, the judgment of the devil as the dark ruler of the world. And what I mean by that is in John chapter 16, because there's going to be two judgments of the devil, that one judgment of the devil has already taken place. And then the other judgment of the devil will be in the in the lake of fire that we found in Revelation chapter 20. But I want you to see about the first time Satan is judged, the devil is judged. Jesus says in John chapter 16, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit, that is, he's talking about. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness and judgment. Now watch this. This word convict is also the word convince. So when he comes, he will convince the world concerning sin, concerning three things, sin, righteousness and judgment. Number one in verse nine concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit convinces people about what sin really is. The sin that separates us from God is the sin of not believing in Jesus rejecting Jesus, not believing in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is working on persuading your loved ones and persuading others who have heard the gospel. The Holy Spirit is working on convincing them, realize, make, helping them to realize, helping them to see the light. If they're open to it, the Holy Spirit will reveal to them 
that their unbelief, they're not believing in Jesus is something that needs to be remedied with simply believing in Jesus. And that problem is solved. He says the Holy Spirit will convince the world concerning sin and then concerning righteousness, because I go to the father and you no longer see me. So the Holy Spirit is in this life and in our lives to remind us that we're not righteous in our own works. There's nothing that we can do to make us make ourselves righteous. But righteousness is the gift that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit convinces us that we need righteousness, but we cannot obtain it through our works. We cannot obtain it through our holiness. We can only obtain it as a free gift through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. We reign in this life. And then the third thing he says here in verse 11 and concerning judgment. So the Holy Spirit convinces the world concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. So he's talking about Satan here, the ruler of this world, the world's system. This ruler has been judged. The moment Jesus says it is is the moment that it happened. The ruler of this world has been judged. And now Jesus is coming to take back what the ruler of this world took from Adam and Eve and took from mankind. And Jesus is legally taking it back in his own blood. And Jesus is purchasing back the rulership of this earth and humanity through his precious blood. And he says the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you about this, but you cannot bear them now. So there's many more things God wants to tell us about this and show us about this. But the first thing we need to realize is this third judgment is the judgment of the devil as the dark ruler of the world. Jesus is saying the ruler of this world has been judged and he no longer has control over your life. He no longer has the power to be the ruler of your life. The moment you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you have the power to rule your own life and you have the power to give it to Jesus and you've surrendered your life to Jesus and he's now Lord in your life, not the ruler of the world anymore. The ruler of the world is not Lord of your life anymore. Jesus is now the Lord of your life. And that's a liberating truth that sets you free when you realize, okay, the ruler of this world has been judged and I don't have to be controlled by him anymore. I don't have to be ruled by the devil anymore. I don't have to be ruled by the thief that comes to steal, kill and destroy anymore. Behold, Jesus said, I've given you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 tells us you have power. You have authority now, the ruler of this world. So this is the third judgment in the Bible and not necessarily in this order. But the third judgment that I'm sharing with you is the judgment of the devil. His first judgment, he's going to be judged again. And then there's another the fourth judgment has to do with the devil, too. It's the judgment that comes from the devil. So there is a judgment of the believer where he, God rewards us after our salvation. He rewards us for what we did with what he gave us. Then there's the judgment of the unbeliever and the great white throne judgment. Then there's number three, the judgment of the devil. He's been judged. And the ruler of this world has been judged and no longer has the power to rule your life unless you let him. And number four, there's a judgment in life that comes from the devil. It's where the devil tries to condemn you. It's where the devil tries to accuse you, tries to do it to me, too, tries to accuse us, tries to tries to condemn us. And so there's a judgment that he tries to bring 
and we can have confidence in the day of that judgment, whenever the devil judges us. Look at first John, chapter four, verse 17. I want to read it to you. It says, by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence. Watch this now so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Now, notice what he says. He says love is perfected with us. Perfect love casts out fear. He goes on to say in verse 18, but he says love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. So it's the love of God revealing to us salvation through the blood of Jesus that gives us confidence in the day of judgment. It's the blood of Jesus that gives us confidence to stand against Satan when he brings judgment. What is the day of judgment he's talking about here? He's talking about the day that you're judged by the enemy. Every day he comes to punish us every day that the devil comes to judge us every day. The devil comes to accuse us. And how do we overcome him? Revelation 12:11 says we overcame him by the blood of the lamb. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, their testimony and by loving not their lives even unto death, which means that they're not attached to this life. They're attached to Jesus. But the point is, is in verse the first part of that verse in Revelation chapter 12 is the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down by the blood of the lamb. So if you go back now, it's by the blood of the lamb that they overcame the accuser that he talks about in verse 10, who accuses us. Look at Revelation 12, verse 10. It says the accuser accuses them day and night. He constantly accuses people to God. He says that guy's not good enough. That guy's not. And you know what? God says they're the righteousness of God by the blood of Jesus. That person is the righteousness of God. So you can accuse them all day long, but you don't have any power over them and they know how to rebuke you. They know how to resist you. They know how to fight spiritual warfare, which is by the blood of Jesus, we can have confidence. Now go back to first John 418 through the blood of Jesus. We have confidence in the day of judgment. We can have assurance and confidence in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. So just as Jesus can stand against the accusations and the judgments of Satan, just as Jesus can stand because he's paid the price of sin and risen from the dead, you can stand in the face of judgment and accusation from the enemy and you can stand with confidence. Why? Because you have confidence through the blood of Jesus in Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 19 says, therefore, we have boldness to enter the holy place by the blood of the lamb. Hebrews 10, verse 19, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of the lamb. So we can enter the holy place by the blood of the lamb. We can stand with confidence against Satan, accusing us that we don't have the right to stand before the holy place, that we don't have the right to enter the holy place. You don't have the right to get up. Satan will tell you you don't have the right to recover. You don't have the right to get back up when you fall and you don't have the right to re be restored. You don't, have the, you don't have the right to be saved. You don't have the right to be healed. We say back to those accusing thoughts by the blood of Jesus, I have the right to have to enter into the holy place and I with confidence enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. I have the right to get up because I'm the righteousness of God. I have the right to overcome because I'm the righteousness of God. I have the right to resist you, devil, because I'm the righteousness of God. I have the right to be healed because I'm the righteousness of God. I have the right to be delivered from this addiction because I'm the righteousness of God. I have the right to be delivered from fear, to be delivered from anxiety, to be delivered from worry, to be delivered from the devil, to be delivered from what ever is trying to destroy me. I have the right to destroy that thing which is trying to destroy me 
because I can go boldly with confidence to the holy place by the blood of Jesus. So this fourth judgment, the judgment that comes from the devil is something that we that's what we put up our shield of faith against. That's what we declare. Open our mouths and let the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, come out of our mouths and cut through all the lies that Satan's accusing you of, accusing you that you're evil, accusing you that you're bad, accusing you that God's done with you, accusing you that God can't save you, accusing you that God can't deliver you. Oh, yes. Not only has he delivered us, he is now delivering us and he will yet again deliver us. The Bible says in first Corinthians chapter one or second Corinthians one, verse 10. He has delivered us. He is delivering us and he will yet again deliver us. But the devil tries to lie and accuse you. And we got to get up and resist that stuff with the word of God. Get up in the face of that lying demon thought trying to tell you you don't have the right. God's not going to deliver you. God's not going to come through for you. You don't deserve it. Yeah, that's why it's mercy. You don't deserve it. Yeah, that's why it's grace. You don't deserve it. Yeah, that's why I can go to the throne of grace to receive mercy and obtain grace to help in my time of need. That's the goodness of God. And we can enforce that victory by speaking, resisting the lies of the devil with the word of God, the word of righteousness, where the righteousness of God, not by something we've done, not because we've been holy enough or godly enough, but because through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in this life. So judgment number four. We have authority over that, the judgment that comes from the devil against us, accusing us and we reject it and resist it as the righteousness of God. You got it. All right. Number five. Number five, the fifth judgment in the Bible is the judgment of self, the judgment of ourself. And oftentimes we judge ourselves incorrectly. I don't want to say we judge ourselves too harshly because some people don't judge themselves harshly, but they judge themselves incorrectly and judging yourself harshly is incorrect. But also, even if it's not harsh, you may be judging yourself as I'm a failure, I'm a loser. That's incorrect. That's not being harsh, but it's being incorrect. It's being inaccurate. So the judgment of self, the Bible tells us to judge or examine ourselves. Let me show you one of those places in Second Corinthians 13, verse five. It says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. He says, examine yourselves or do you not recognize this about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? unless you indeed fail the test. But I trust you will realize that we ourselves do not fail that test. And what is that test? Go back to verse five. The test is whether you actually believe that you are in Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ is in you. This is what you have to recognize about yourself. You know, there's a lot of things we recognize about ourselves. We recognize our name. We recognize our face. We recognize our habits. We recognize a lot of things about our signature. Yeah, that was mine. Yeah, right. Yep. That was me. Somebody shows you a video. Yep. That was me. You you can recognize yourself. But he, 
there's a lot of things you can recognize about yourself. And here's something, though, that he's saying a lot of believers don't recognize about themselves. He said, do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? See, sometimes we forget that he's in us. And he doesn't tell us to examine ourselves regarding our sin. He doesn't tell us to examine ourselves regarding if we've been if we've crossed every T and dotted all of our eyes. He tells us to examine ourselves to make sure that we're in the faith, recognizing that Jesus Christ is in me. I recognize he's in me. When you recognize he's in you, you realize how powerful you are. When you recognize he's in you, that means, you know, he'll never leave you or forsake you. When you recognize that he's in you, that means, you know, you have power, love and a sound mind. When you recognize he's in you, that means, you know how to really make sure that you don't condemn yourself and and judge yourself incorrectly. But you test yourself and judge yourself as Christ living inside of you because of his precious blood. And therefore you are in the secret place of the most high. That's a powerful truth right there. So the fifth judgment is the judgment of self. We're to testify, we're to test and examine, not if we're in sin, but if we're in the faith. It's all about faith in what Jesus did for us. It's all about knowing that he's in us. Even in Second Corinthians four, verse three, Paul, the apostle, I know I'm giving you a lot of verses, but I want you to see these seven judgments so you can look at them biblically and realize there's nothing to be afraid of because of Jesus because of Jesus. He says in Second Corinthians four, verse three, as for me, it matters very little. Maybe it's sorry if I got the wrong verse up there. First Corinthians four, verse three. Now, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment at this point, he says. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of the time because before the Lord returns. So this is a very powerful part of not judging yourself. Paul said, I don't even judge myself. I, I can't even trust my own judgment of myself at this point, he said. But that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. And, you know, when the Lord will examine you and decide, he'll examine. Did you trust in Jesus? Were your was your faith in what Jesus did for your salvation? Not it's not going to judge you and examine you to see if there was any sin still in your life. It's going to examine to make sure that you have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Number six, the sixth judgment is the final judgment of the devil and demons. Remember, there was an earlier judgment of the devil. The ruler of this world has been judged, John 16. But here we have the final judgment of the devil and demons. It's Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. Watch this now. It says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This is the judgment, the final judgment of the devil and the beast and the false prophet and all the demons that lined themselves up with the devil, all the angels that lined themselves up with the devil became demons. And the devil who deceived them was thrown in to the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they'll be tormented day and night forever 
and ever. Now, that's a judgment we can rejoice in. We don't rejoice when people end up in hell, but we sure rejoice that the devil is thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever. And he will never again hurt another human, never again hurt any living thing. He'll never again be able to hurt and steal and kill and destroy and damage and harm, and abuse. He'll never be able to for all eternity. When this happens in Revelation, chapter 20, verse 10, it is the final judgment of the devil and demons and the seventh judgment. It's going to be a real easy one. The seventh judgment that the Bible talks about is judging others. Find that in Matthew, chapter seven, verse one, where Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. Do not judge lest you be judged. Now, he's not talking about God's judgment. He's talking about life will judge you. Do not judge lest you be judged. It's really simple. I like what Paul does when he builds upon this concept in Romans, chapter 14, verse four. And I want to read this verse to you. Who are you to judge the servant of another? You see, there's so many Christians that judge others, so many Christians that think they're better than others, so many Christians that look down, condescending on others, so many Christians that think, well, that person can't be saved or that person can't be right with God or that person won't make it into heaven or that person. Who are you to judge the servant of another to his own master? He stands or falls and stand. He will. I love that verse and stand. He will for the Lord is able to make him stand. You know, the Lord is able to make you stand. You know, the Lord is able to make you. You know, you're going to stand because the Lord is able to make you stand. You know, I'm going to stand and I'm going to keep standing, not because I'm so strong at keeping at continuing to stand, but because he is able to make me stand. So I've given up judgment on myself in this regard. I've given up judgment on others. And so should you. You know, it's really simple when it comes to the seventh judgment. Judging others. Here's the, here's how simple it is. Stop it. It's just that simple. Stop it. We don't know that person's story. We don't know what caused that person to crack. We don't know what caused that person to hurt themselves or that person to go through the. We don't know the pain they went through and we just need to leave that between them and the Lord. We don't need to gossip, backbite, talk about people behind their backs and judge them, period. But certainly don't judge them in front of them and don't judge them behind them either. It's just there's no place for it. There's never a place to judge others. Now, you can decide to distance yourself from people if you see a pattern in their life that's not healthy for you to be connected to that person. That's that's not judging them. That's having your own personal boundaries. And I just want you to understand the difference there. We got to give up judging others. We got to go after souls. We got to go after souls. Just reminds me as we close, I want to pray. But it reminds me of the man that that died. And he said. He wrote about it. I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door, not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights of its decor. But it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp, the thieves, the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics and the trash. 
There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Herb, who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. (laughs) I nudged Jesus. What's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Child, Jesus said, it's just that they're all in shock. They never thought they'd be seeing you. (laughs) If we could get a hold of that, we so judge people and we think that person will never make it. That person never make it. Of course, I'll make it. And you get there. They're going to be surprised. You may you only made it by the grace of God. Right? You know that, right? When you get there, you won't, it's only by the grace. Everybody that gets up there, it will only be because of the grace of God. By grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the free gift of God, not a result of works, lest any man should boast. But then once we're born again, we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We're not created because of our good works. We're not recreated or born again because of our good works. We are recreated and born again by grace. By grace have we been saved through faith. It's the free gift of God, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. If you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you haven't been introduced to this grace, come on, receive it right now. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, come on, now's your time. Say this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I invite Jesus into my life. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Say that out loud. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. From this moment forward, I'm a child of God. Man, if you said that, congratulations. You just made the greatest decision of your life to accept Jesus Christ. You're going to spend eternity in heaven with God. You're not going to be judged at the great white throne judgment. Now you're going to be freely received in heaven forever and ever. If you prayed that prayer, would you contact me? Let me know you prayed that prayer. Let me know that you made that decision. I want to put a free gift in your hand, the power of a new life You can download it anywhere in the world. Get a hold of that. And I'm so honored to be a part of your salvation somehow introducing you to the precious Jesus that I call my savior, my best friend, my Lord, my king. Amen. And for everybody, these seven judgments should bring clarity to you and freedom as you live out this journey and let your story unfold and let God continue to work inside you from the inside out. He's doing a great work in you. You matter to God. You matter to me. You matter to this church family. And I can't wait to see you at our next service. God bless.